Good morning, Brother John. Good morning, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad yet. It's going to drop like a rock the rest of the day. It's about 10, and it's not going to hit double digits again for a couple of days. You're probably going to hate hearing what I got to say. It's 51 degrees here. Oh, jeez. Well, it is in the city here. Here it's probably Is that swimming pool years open? It should be. Uh, It should be. It should be, shouldn't it? Damn. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to talk to Janine about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I liked it in the summer when it's open. I used to park out by the pool and do the show because mm. we. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I miss it. I miss it. I'll be honest with you. And it's been dreary here, even if it is a little, well, quite a bit warmer than it is there. But anyway, here we are. Uh, what okay. are you wearing, buddy? What are you wearing? Uh, I'm wearing Clark Street. Okay, I got the blue. The yeah. the blue. Like I'm wearing the, the blue. Sky. Yeah, I love this thing. It's just great. It's so soft too. Jeez, Somewhere everybody knows where to get them. There's a shirt. Yeah, there is a shirt. Uh, yeah, shirts. You know where to get them. Shirt. Dot bro. Dot show. Mm. And we're gonna have a segment next week with Doctor Yang, the urologist. Mm. He and I will take your questions on a new segment that we may only do once. We'll see how it goes. It's called Ask a Eunuch. So, yeah, you can call, you can just go to the, the address, U-N-I-K, eunuch, dot, bro, dot, show, and you'll run into a form, and you can ask your question. And then we will field these questions on the show, and we take questions about relationships, because I'm uniquely qualified to talk about relationships, because I don't have a dog in that hunt. Not only because I'm married, but we all know the reason. Okay. Secondly, I cannot offer. I can offer no input on this. I'm sorry. Secondly, we also take questions on people who have undergone chemical or physical castration, temporary or permanent. Ooh. And virtually everyone who has, you know, a decent, a respectable, a respectable prostate cancer. Gets at least some of that, right, John? They get right. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to put be the first one to ask a question next week because I want to find out how this thing about temporary castration. That's that's intriguing. Well, that's what you underwent, buddy. They give I, you a shot no, and no, last no. six months. That's oh, you castration. Are stretching that you are stretching the term castration because okay, then we'll you're see. telling me everybody we'll who's got prostate cancer has been treated as had been temporarily castrated. And that I, is correct. listen, if I have been, if I have been, I'll shout it to the world. I'll let the bar. It'll be a newsworthy why, item. Why, why is that worthy of note? Tune in next week and find out. There's a very, very good reason that I'm considering it as castration. You'll see. See, everybody's intrigued now. And no, I'm not uh-huh, doing a castration yeah. t-shirt. I'm, gonna, I'm not doing a eunuch t-shirt yet. I'm going to so. do my research. Okay, you do your research. Meantime, between time, we got inspired this week to do a show. And, shoe. And what was, a really big what, shoe. It is. And, John, I'm going to ask you to tell me in three sounds, what was the inspiration? He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Chicken man. That's it. The chicken man. Chicken Man, the man who played Chicken Man, they invented him, I should say, passed away. Yes. Dick Orkin. 
And what did this do to us? Well, what it did is it made a significant difference in my life because I lived, I mean, I lived every day in Vietnam knowing the next morning I could hear the chicken man. It was my inspiration. It was what kept me going. Right. So that's just one man's opinion. Well, I I felt very similar feelings toward Chicken Man. I loved listening to him, and the day was right if I got to hear that. Mark, 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 mark. Oh, you do yeah. a pretty good job. This inspired us to do a show on animals, animals well, in sports, it, yeah. animals in film, and animals the way we see it in the most current of current events. The life of our president. Oh boy, that was good. I felt good to say. Yep. All right. I'll, t- I'll tell you, as we take a look at uh, at the year end, we can, you know, you're going to run into a lot of people that will give you your your best movies, your worst movies, the most memorable events, the most significant events, all this and that. And we just went, we just kind of plowed through all that and got down to something a little bit different and took a look and saw that animals are interacting more and more in sports, in our lives. In fact, it's important. People quite often don't realize how important it is for us to be able to, as humans, favorably, positively react with nature, plants, Mm. animals, etc. So what I did was I decided to do a segment. We're going to do a segment on baseball and animals. Um, And the fact is that quite often, you know, they've had a positive impact on the sport and quite often they don't get any respect. And I like to it, it it just it's like the Rod, they're, they're Rodney Dangerfield all over again. It is so I'll bad. Say, it is bad. And you know, as I look back on living in Chicago here, I I, I look back when some of this disrespect starts, and I think uh, I immediately think of the Billy Goat. And Ooh. the fact is that that goat has been maligned, has been considered maligned. a curse. Mm. It and the and let's take a look at the incident itself, and let's see. How bad was the goat and when, where the goat was kind of left in the lurch could have been very positive. This whole thing of curse could have been avoided. Yeah, but a lot of it people don't know about a, the curse. A little common sense. Well, the you know. curse takes place in 1945 when the Cubs are in the World Series, winning the Detroit Tigers. They've won, or I think they've won two out of three games. So they're in a pretty good position coming home. And, uh, and the owner of the Billy Goat Tavern decides that he is going to bring his goat with him to the ballpark and and he has a ticket for the goat and he gets and here's 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 the first point of disrespect the fact is that number one the employees the ticket takers at the ballpark they let the goat in so as oh. far as you're concerned once the goat is in the ballpark he should have all the rights and privileges of any other ticket holder i would There's think no so doubt in my mind so what happens? Think he's so. got a ticket. He's got a seat. He is all ready to rock. And a Andy Frayne ushers, not even employees of the ball. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're talking about the hired hands here. The bad guys decide yeah. that the goat has to go. Now, I have to be truthful. Let's give it a little more balanced argument. There was some talk. This is totally rumored that it was the smell of the animal that created the problem. I am going to discount that. I don't believe it. That mm. is an unfounded rumor. If you've heard it, disregard it. Don't even consider it. The wow. other thing is that the goat 
had on it a blanket that said, Detroit, we've got your goat. So this goat was acting as a cheerleader. And had a message. Had a message. Yeah. It has a message there. And so what happens is that, of course, the goat gets thrown out of the ballpark. And what we have is we have the Cubs not being in a World Series till 2016. Wow. So the point being here. How many that, years are we and, talking about? Almost. How many well, years is that, John? It's like 50. It's 50 plus years. Wow. You know, I don't know. I'm, I don't have my calculator with me. But yeah, it's way, way too way. long. 50 plus years. So the fact is that I don't want to go into all the details of what happened after that. But it, 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 in, in, the, in the fact, the goat should have been respected throughout the whole exercise when they had plenty of chances. You know what it boils down to? It's how goats do you get matter. rid of a curse? What goats, goat lives matter? What, how do you get rid of a curse? You Tell win. Me. You win. That's all oh. there is to it. Embrace the curse. Say, yes, there is a curse. We know. And rather than getting so re- rejecting the curse and saying it doesn't exist and getting tension, say, yes, there is a curse and we know what to do. And that's finally what happened. They, they figured it out. Wow. It only took they 50 to some odd years. Yeah. What they were doing is they were bringing a goat back to the ballpark and reversing the curse. That is BS. It's like wow. what you need to do is you need to say, yes, there's a curse. Win. That order. Don't go thinking wow. that you can reverse you, okay, a curse okay, and win. Okay. You've got to win, and then the curse is gone. It's that simple. Well, let's not it get It sounds simple from later. here. Jeez. Well, it was not John, that simple yeah, for I mean, It wasn't, was it? No, it wasn't. So since then, we've had a, a variety of animals interacting. I'm just going to mention a couple of them. A couple of years ago, the uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, 2011, and this is a very historic World Series for them. There was a a uh, a, a a squirrel. I actually wrote it. It, it was a rally squirrel, not a rally cat. A rally squirrel cross right. home plate, and Jeez. everybody you know was running after the squirrel. This or that. Leave the squirrel alone. The squirrel has done its work. It's already been in a positive influence. So because the the Cardinals came back. With two outs in the ninth inning, twice in the sixth and seventh game to win that World Series. And I don't think that the squirrel has gotten enough credit for its work. What it did well, to inspire. It didn't get team. any, did it? It got no respect. It got kicked out it of the ballpark. No, no it got kicked out. Well, it, it, it basically ran for its life to leave the ballpark. Wow. Wow. That's no, that's no way to repay a favor, in my opinion. Job, it just said, job well done, squirrel. Here's some peanuts. That would have been the right thing to do. Although, that would have been, who knows? Maybe, maybe he was allergic to peanuts, but something. Let's not get into nuts. Let's not get into peanuts. We can do that some no, other okay. time. We can't, okay? we can't talk about can't. that. You're right. No, That's we can't. That's a forbidden subject, everybody. In my family, <sighs> my ancestral nice family, I should point out. Okay, yeah. go ahead, John. Sorry. The one you're trying to shake. Okay. Oh, now, shake, please. rattle, and roll. Yep. Bees. Bees. Bees knees. Now, you know, the thing is, uh, there is a crisis, and Jerry, you've kind of told me a little bit about this, that there is a need for pollen out there, that the, po- the pollen count and the, the pollen that's important for the making of honey is down. So what has happened is that some beehives have been found in ballparks, and what they, what they do is rather than cultivate and setting up an environment in which these bees 
can feel comfortable to do what they've been up, put on the earth to do, and that is to make honey and pollinate, what happens is we shake it up, we get all excited, we shoo the bees away, they're disturbed, they're not allowed to do their work, and again, no respect. It is ridiculous. None. I have For, actually been uh, yeah. witnessed that out in Arizona, the way that, that the umpires, the players, and sometimes the fans get involved in this, and they just need to let go. Just let the bees well, do their thing. Cultivate an environment. If you want to be positive, proactive, uh, the operations of these ballparks ought to be cultivating a positive environment for bees. Well, yeah, I would think opinion. so. And yeah, but just factually speaking, if I'm not mistaken, I believe squirrels and bees were here before we were. Is that correct, John? I do believe, and that's one thing that really got me started on this. I was looking through lists, and I came across a list that said animals. Here's a list of the way animals invaded sports venues in 2017. <gasps> oh, that probably set you off. That set you that off, did. didn't it? I mean, come on. It's, it, it's like, who was here first? The animals are these damn ballparks. The fact right. is that the animals were here. They are, that we are, and what we should be doing is trying to coexist in a favorable way in a positive environment, with respect to these, so we can interact in a positive way. And guess what? If you do that, you're probably going to be, a, your team is going to do better because you've set up a good environment for winning. Oh, wow. I would think so. Part of winning oh. is working together as a team, right? Yeah, and believe right. me, rather than treating this as an enemy, consider these animals, the animals on your team. 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 Yeah. They are on your team. In fact, if you treat them that way quite often, they will work, and then what you can do is your opponents will not be embracing them, and they're at a severe disadvantage. And we'll get into well, that I would in a think little so. while. I would think so. Yeah, okay, so, so carry on. We've got carry also, on. yeah, we've got a bat retrieving dogs that have been very helpful, and quite often they are, uh, you know, they just have not been treated properly. They have, you know, they're, they, they well, don't have happened? a union. Well, well I mean. Wait you know, a minute, wait, wait, wait. The dog doesn't have a union? Yeah. Well, you're These dogs that are there are no are unions down here. Yeah. Well, I think that there ought to be a way that they get some favorable working environment. These animals okay. are just, you know, put out there. This is for one this is a weird to carry bats back and forth to the players. Yeah. And I do believe that they ought to be treated a little bit better. It's okay, not a bad, right. you know, it's not John, a major thing. What, John? There's a little problem here. I'm having. I'm sensing some cognitive dissonance. You're kind of a conservative guy, and in general, I had never known that you were so favorable toward unions when people are involved. But now, not people, just animals. You're very I don't excited. care about people. Okay, now we're getting down Listen, to it. I have look. People, You're honest about it, at least. Animals are are in a helpless helpless situation. There's things they can't do for themselves. Well, Those yeah, are well, the ones who need help, not not the humans. Forget the humans. Okay. Wow. So that that's rough. So, I have to say, that's rough. So what we've had is we've had a few more incidents in 2017. We had a rally cat, and here's a, mm. another example down in St. Louis downtown. Animal gets loose in the middle of a ball game with the bases loaded. Javier and uh, Yadier Molina coming up, and the cat is running around, and sure enough, all these uh, uh, you know park personnel are you know running around trying to catch the cat to get him out of there. And they finally 
get the game started. And you know the first thing that happens after they, they get the game started? Yadier Molina hits a grand slam home run. What? What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's like the, the, the impact of the animal was there. And what are we doing? Oh, by the way, uh, you know, it's like, oh, well, we, we got a grand slam. But while we're at it, let's just kick that cat out of here. In fact, here's what happened. They realized no. too late. They said, well, wait a minute. That cat, we need that cat. They couldn't find it afterwards. That's how what they did. It, it got scared because it was or pissed frightened off. away. It, I would be pissed off. Oh, I am pissed off, aren't I? I forgot. Oh, yeah, you uh, are. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> you are so crazy. Okay, let's keep going. So, with this. hey, look. Hey, look. Now there's uh, gulls. Yeah, I'm the gulls. crazy one. What are you doing? Gulls. These gulls. <laughs> these stop. birds. You won't stop. You won't stop. Now, I've witnessed gulls in two parks, San Francisco and Chicago. I'm a little bit more familiar with the situation in Chicago. The thing is that this doesn't happen all year round, but the goals, there's a period of time I should have consulted my experts over at the Center for Humans and Nature where I work as to the yeah. period of time. But sometime in the middle of the summer, the goals come in. And what, here's what happens. What happens is about the sixth or seventh inning, they realize, and it's like the ballpark is just full of f food, stuff laying around, snacks. It's like snack time for the old birds. So the birds, what they like to do is they got to get themselves strategically located so that they can easily go in and eat the food that's left on the, on the floor or the, in the stands. So where do they go? They go onto the field. So there's a bunch of birds, a bunch of gulls on the field, and they're just waiting there, and everybody considers them a nuisance. The players consider them a nuisance. And let me right, get this straight. Hold on. You think you think they're there for the food, right? Well, I can tell you right now that I do believe that that's what they are. Now, you probably have a different slant on it, and I'm willing to listen. I don't know why I am, but I'm willing to listen. Go ahead. What's your they're reason? There? They're there for the women. They're looking for female gulls, and the female gulls oh. are looking for proper mates. Well, you know, Wrigleyville's a swinging area. I'll tell you, if you're going to have a good party time, that's the place to do it. And the ballpark is a place to, to be, I guess. I think that's another pitch they could make, make the, make the ballpark a little more romantic. Birds do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's why they only do it certain times a year, by the way. Okay. Now, the thing is, what's wrong with this? What's wrong tell with me. it is tell me. the Cubs have an incredible opportunity here. The goals are in the outfield. It's almost like they got extra outfielders out there. Take advantage yeah. of it. Why not? It's like for the other teams, what's happening is a team comes in, not used to the goals. So they don't know. Throws them off. Bird it throws them off. From, it throws them off. But you have got a half your games played, or not half of them, but a lot of them with the goals. You should embrace the opportunity to have them. Be it's a privilege and honor to be able to be out there with the gulls. It's not something every club has. Well, so it's, like, it's, it's like Buffalo. Vibes. It's like Buffalo or Denver. Those are two places where their weather and their altitude are unique. And when a ball club, a football team comes into play or a baseball team comes into play, uh, they're a little at odds, aren't they? Because they're huffing and puffing because they can't deal with a mile-high city, Denver. Or they're freezing their balls off. Oops, sorry, shouldn't have said that. In uh, Buffalo. Because it's so damn cold, or New England, wherever they play, 
you know, that kind of stuff. So it's an advantage, like you said. It's a home field advantage. Embrace it. Run with it. Do it. Come on. I thought you were, I, you're looking for a competitive edge. It's there. Open your eyes. It's right maybe in front these of you. Guys, maybe these guys just lost their competitive edge. Maybe that's the problem here. Well, I, too much the money. Cubs did lose. Too much money. Well, the Cubs lost money. their competitive edge for a long time. I would agree with you on that one. So yeah, we do fan. see a little bit of uh, of light here, a, a, a little bit of positive what? going on. What? And this last year, this Where? last year, finally, a, North Carolina University of North oh. Carolina finally realized oh. that you know therapy dogs are used for a variety of things. They could obviously can be used to to uh, uh, help people that are blind have handicaps. We've seen with post uh, dramatic, what is it? Post stress from military. Yeah, PTSD, post dramatic stress syndrome. Therapy dogs, yes. So what we found is that the game of disorder is a very is a very emotional, mental game, and any edge you can have, any calming. What you do is you try to bring, you try to slow the game down. And one way that, that North Carolina has found, University of North Carolina, is to have therapy dogs on the bench. They're with the players, interacting with them. And so, um, that is, uh, that's something I find very positive. I'm hoping that that catches on. Perhaps is used uh, at a professional level. You know, we have psychologists and psychiatrists right now that are working with the players. It's a fairly new thing. It's been within the last 20 years or so. Let's move on. Let's take it another step. Let's get therapy, therapy goals. dogs out there. Therapy goals. Well, that's that's yours. even if they are horny. <laughs> okay. I, I've been th- I've been thinking. I've been thinking. You I, know, that'd be a good job. That's I would, that's a I problem. Would not, You've been thinking I, that is a problem. Yeah, it is. I've been thinking <laughs> that that you you in the notes you mentioned the therapy dogs, and I thought, wow, what a good job. I think I'd be a good therapy person. And maybe, maybe what therapy dogs do would be a good thing for psychologists to do because you know what? I don't think psychologists are all that effective as a group. Sorry. I mean, there are some good ones. Don't get me wrong. But maybe, well, I, maybe what they, maybe they just need to cuddle with people and look their faces and stuff. What do you think, John? I could tell you, I, here's my feeling. My feeling is if you're going to be a part of the therapy solution, I feel that if you're on the opponent's side, you're going to help me a lot. Ooh, okay, let's move that on. Was, that was that was harsh. That was harsh. <laughs> We're wow. gonna finish up with what I consider to be the the most rip, misrepresented animal on the planet, particularly in Chicago. Chicago's been known as a murder murder capital of the U.S. When it's a, mm-hmm. it's it's the statistics don't even prove it. I mean, we can look at the stats with murder and see that per capita. In the but the thing is that one thing that we probably have a better chance of being, and that is the rat capital of the United States. Oh, now, wow. that's a little harder, and I'd say we could be, only because New York rats move around a lot, and no, it's kind of hard to kind of get a, a number on the old rats. But yeah. that's just sort of what they, that, that's kind of been thrown out there. Mm. So, the thing is that Wrigley Field is fairly old, and we've already talked about the fact it's got a fair amount of food. And there's been a lot of discussion about rats. Some of the opponents um, have come into Wrigley Field, gone into the visitors' clubhouse, and say it's rat infested. Okay, we know that there have been since they started the renovation a couple years ago at Wrigley Field. A lot of the residents around the ballpark have felt that the uh, that by that that renovation has woken the rats 
that are Wrigley, and all of a sudden they're shake, they're they're running and going into homes there in Wrigleyville. So the, we have the residents complaining. Wow! Did the you just throw is, up in your I, mouth? I have to ask. Did you just throw up in your mouth? No, ago? I'm just drinking coffee. Sorry, oh, I didn't mean oh, okay. to make all that noise. Edit it out if it's that bad. What the hell? You're the producer. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Rats. Wrigley rats. Wrigley rats. So here's the thing. The thing what's, is that what's the thing? What's the solution, John? The solution is that let's where where do these rats? They're congregating at the ballpark. Now the ballpark is a place that serves food, mm-hmm. so it should be under the same rules and regs as a restaurant. Let's get oh. public health inspectors in there, and if they find any rat drippings nearby, they should close the ballpark down. Get them to straighten it out and have the, the Chicago Cubs play down the south side where the, Cubs, the White Sox do. Wow. Wait, that's wait, wait, wait. It's, oh, yeah. Okay. Hold not, it. This flies say, in the oh, face. Yeah, that's go- yeah, that's going to happen. I know. Well, dude, I got, d- okay, dude, dude, this flies in the face of your previous solutions. I thought you were going to say something like, hey, embrace the rats. It's a home field advantage. What? But no. Well, you're you're Look. discriminating against rats now. It sounds like me. Health inspectors. <sighs> wow, I didn't expect well, that. Look, I I believe that it's okay for animals to be a part of your environment, but mm-hmm. when they become a health hazard, then I'm not saying to kill them. I'm just saying what you need to do close is the place you need down. to set up an environment. Don't close them down. Just rats are not going to come there if you properly serve food. And don't, you know, have the, you know, clean up, you know, have people cleaning up the food. I know that's going to hurt the gulls a little bit, but let's, let's not get there. But I've okay. got another thing. Here's the thing. Oh, okay. Look, right, what's I'm, the I'm other thing? I got to be realistic. I'm going to be realistic. What? What? So the, the first time in this, in this, this segment, episode, yeah. I'm going to be, this segment, I'm yeah. going to be, I'm going to be realistic. Okay. And let's just say that, hey, look, it's not even doable to move the doggone team down to the south side for, you know, maybe a couple weeks. Rather than that, let's let the city hang it over the Cubs' head and say, look, we're going to do you a favor. We're not going to shut you down, but you owe us. And the next time we negotiate night games, don't ask for any more. You are at your limit. So use it as as a chip that you can then bargaining chip later on. That's, that's my more practical solution. Okay. If, if not somewhat nefarious. <sighs> yeah. Well, I, all I can I don't say know, is John. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, first of all, oh, look. all of these, uh, I agree, the rats are high in number. Okay, that's the problem with the rats. The rats are no different than the gulls. In fact, the gulls are more, more prolific at shitting than the rats are. I mean, gulls evacuate almost constantly. Any bird that has to fly needs to evacuate quickly so they're not so heavy that they, you know, can't fly. But they aren't as numerous as the rats. So the real problem here is the numbers because the rats are no dirtier or no more disease-infested than a squirrel, a goat, a gull, whatever. Okay? It's the numbers. It's the num- mm. Okay, now, so why don't we offer Planned Parenthood for the rats? Well, there's been a number of, of solutions in order to try to c- conquer the rat problem that don't necessarily deal with killing them. And I do think that, um, you know, there are different control. things you can do. Birth control is a, is a, it has been used on other animals. 
that's how we deal with ants. That's how we do. That's how we deal with ants down here. Okay, I think you've got a, a you've what you've done is you've you've got a, a more I wouldn't call it a global solution, but a city solution versus a Wrigley Field solution. And then I do respect it's, that. It's, I think it's a step it's in both. the right direction. It's both. It is. It's both. Win-win. It's both. Yes, exactly. It's a win-win. Um, that way we don't, you know, uh, we're not, you know, hurting the rat population in terms of killing, but we are doing something to somewhat control it in a, in a very humane way. I like that. Okay. But I all still right. like the idea of trying to shut down Wrigley. I'm sorry. We, well, yeah, and we all know why. Oh, I don't know. I can't. I, I just figured it's you're because a, you're it's illogical. So you're, you're a Sox fan. Oh. This is emotional. You think there's some emotion in here? Okay. okay I no, do. No, I do. Lacking logic. I do. A lot of emotion. Okay. Okay. It's very so, unusual. It, it's usually the opposite. It'll be interesting to see as the new year comes upon us how animals will continue to be a part of our lives in sports. And we I have, have to track baseball. This. Um, yeah, I think we'll find, you know, and I'm, I'm going to be, I, I watch those goals and I'll be watching them to see if, if the, the cub is finally the, you know, the light bulb goes on, they open their eyes, they, they smell the coffee or do something to learn how these animals such as goals can help them. But I think so. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. (sighs) Okay. Oh yeah. That was emotional. It was emotional, but but that doesn't compare with the emotion. Holy jeez. We picked uh, a movie. Oh my God! We are gonna watch. We, we watched a movie. John watched it last night. I made the terrible mistake of watching it before the episode. If I sound like I've got a cold, it's because I was bawling my eyes out watching this movie called Hachi. A dog's tale. Yes, this is oh a God. incredible story. Uh, I think the first thing that captures you. We can, we got a lot of stuff we can talk about in terms of this movie. We. And this is a very emotional movie, and uh, you can't help but provide a spoiler alert as you go through the story. But I think the first thing that captures your interest is the dog itself. Is yeah, what kind and, of dog is it? You and maybe it, you can you describe that. It, by the way, if you want to see the movie without knowing what happens in it, in our opinions, stop right now, go watch the movie, come back. Okay, go ahead, John. Well, the dog breed. And what kind of dog is it in the movie? Akito. 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 Okay, and kind of give... What would you call it? It's it's a kind of a furry. It's about the size of maybe a shepherd, but it's well, got a okay. lot of fur. And how would you describe? It? You're you're good with animals. Okay, it's an you know, akito. It's an akito inu, which is a Japanese breed of akito. There's an American breed, but the Amer- the Japanese breed, northern Japan, where it is very cold, and they live very far north, and they are bred for that. They've got the fur for it. It's tough to tell what a dog really looks like when they have a lot of fur. But this dog has a, a more blunted face and a higher forehead than a German Shepherd, so and a smaller snout. So it's a little different in that regard. Looks a little more like a husky, but again, a husky has so damn much fur on it, you can't really tell what it looks like. Its tail turns up at the end and flips back. So it's and it's not a huge dog or anything like that. And it's got a wide jaw, more like a, a almost like a pit bull has that real wide jaw. So I think these guys can chomp pretty good. I think it'd make a good mm-hmm. guard dog. And they're in, they're fiercely loyal is their thing. They mm-hmm. imprint on the alpha, and they get a little territorial, and that's their thing. That's how they roll. And the ones in Japan have distinct coloration that never varies. The ones over here do because let's face it, they fool around with other breeds. Yeah. That's a problem. 
Okay. Yeah. So what's what's interesting? Well, the other thing about this, it is a true story. This is based upon an incident that took place. Incident, actually, a, a period of time from 1923 through 25, where 35, a, uh, 35, 35. That, yeah, you're right. 35 is, I'm going, you know what? I made a mistake. I talked about the death of the owner rather than the death of the dog. Sorry about that. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. You did. So, um, and it all took place. The setting was Japan in some outskirt suburb of Tokyo. And Tokyo. It, yeah, Tokyo. And it, it had a, um, near a train station. And um, this was also has been made into a Japanese film. So it's got a true story. It was done originally as a Japanese film, and it was such a good story that it has now been made. It was made in 2009 into a U.S. movie. So we've kind of given you a little bit of the background, a little bit on the dog. Now, how about the story itself? Uh, uh, important note, uh, there, there's this Japanese movie, American movie thing, and Richard Gere is in this movie. Richard Gere has done at least two movies that are just like this in that they were big Japanese movies. And he was the guy who may, who was spearheading getting it made as American movies. This one, of course, Hachi or Hachiko is the way it is in Japan. And then, and Hachi means nine and eight, Hachi nine or eight. I can't remember. And Ko means affection. So that's, that's the name, but he did another movie called shall we dance. And that was, Another great Japanese movie. Now, these Japanese movies, they are really spellbinding. I, for me, anyway. Maybe you're Japanese, they seem every day. But I really like them, and I thought they did a good job of bringing this one over. They still Americanized it, but they held right. on to what was important in the movie. So, sorry for the interruption. I could, Pray continue. Yeah, I, I couldn't find a, um, you know, I was hoping to find in the user reviews somebody who would compare the two movies, and I never found that. I guess the best thing you can say about this U.S. version of the movie is it wasn't, it isn't like, well, it wasn't one of those deals where somebody says, well, uh, you should see the Japanese version. There was none of that. No, in the you don't hear that. You don't hear none that. None of that. You don't hear that at all. So, and the other thing, and we, I don't want to talk anymore about the reception. I think we need to talk about the actual movie, the yeah. plot, the setting, and the music for this, this thing. Yeah, yeah. And Matt, why don't you, could you maybe start that off? Or you, you just saw yeah. the movie. What the hell? Yeah, just saw the movie. And so the deal with this thing is that uh, there's a, in the American version, uh, there's a series of mishaps that occur. The dog is supposed to go from Japan, northern Japan, which is authentic, and instead of going to Tokyo, the dog is going to the U.S., and in the process of transferring the crate that the dog is in, the ticket that actually says where the poor dog is supposed to go gets separated from the crate and because of that, the poor little dog ends up someplace he's not supposed to be, and no one's going to pick the dog up. The dog's crate falls off of uh, 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 the thing that they move move the baggage in and opens, and little doggy gets out, and little doggy's just looking around. Where's my master? Where's my alpha male or female? I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Richard Gear, Richard Gear arrives, and Richard Gear just immediately, bam, bam, bam. You know, the old Thunderbolt man, he falls in love with his dog upon sight. The dog feels the same way about him. It's a relationship. It happened. And Richard Gere, as most people know, can play extremely mean and rough people, but he can also play extremely tender people. And he's he's very tender in this thing. He 
immediately takes to the dog and you feel it. Thump, 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 thump. Good stuff. It Goes is. home. His wife, Joe Allen, doesn't want the dog. The daughter wants the dog. Richard mm-hmm. Gere wants the dog. Mommy say, no, no dog. Clean up. Food. All that stuff. And over, and he does make kind of an effort to actually get rid of the dog, but dog pound? No. Uh-uh. Sorry. I, I think that nobody were, else will take the dog. get rid of it, they're looking for its rightful owner is what they were more interested in. Well, that was a sideline, actually. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, he he gave up pretty quickly on that because Jason right. Alexander, the train master, was kind of an a-hole a little bit and didn't want the dog anywhere around, kept encouraging uh, 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 Richard Gere's character. Was that Milton? Was that his name or some damn thing? Anyway. I forget he, what it was. He's a professor of music trying to trying to convince him, and he has to take the train every day to, to go in and, and work at the city, so... Yeah, the dog follows them there. They have a routine they get, and it's really cool. Parker. Dog follows Parker them to the is train. His name. Parker, okay. It's last name, though, right? Wilson, Parker Wilson. Parker Wilson, Jesus. I'm way off on that. So anyway, he yeah. goes to the train station. Hachi follows him. He gets on the, he is, he's getting on the train. He says, Hachi, go home. I'll see you tonight. So, yeah, Hachi actually takes off. He thinks he's going home, but Hachi's actually panhandling now. He's going to all these <laughs> shops and getting food, and everybody <laughs> loves Hachi. It's great. So anyway, yeah. by by sundown, when he's starting to come home and Hachi knows when to show up, he goes over to the train station. There's a little kind of a, a flower bed in the middle of the plaza where the trains come in. And he sits in the flower bed with his chin on the brick wall containing it. And it's cuter than hell and waits for Richard Gere. Take mm-hmm. it, John. Well, the thing is that the... Uh Richard Gere is, like you said, a music professor who is commuting by uh, uh, by train, uh, by commuter train, and he's yes. on a set schedule. So as yes. a result, the dog is gets a sense of excuse me, a sense of what is uh, going on, uh, and he's able to you know f- figure it out pretty quickly. And um, so this goes on for uh, quite a period of time, and you know maybe a year or two, whatever. And, you know, we got to understand that in this movie, there are actually three dogs play this dog because it goes from puppy all the oh. way to, yeah. Yeah. So we're at the point now where probably with the middle dog where it's mature. And uh, and so he's, you know, he's got a routine he goes through and he's used to it. And I guess there is, it's what's funny about this movie is that he's got this, he tries to teach this dog a trick and a very basic trick. And, and that is to fetch a ball. <laughs> and how? What kind of success does he have with that? Not uh, so much. Not really. He can't get this damn dog to fetch a ball. I don't care what he does. He could. He gets down on all fours and bites the ball and comes over to him. He tries everything, and he finally learns from another professor. The nature of this dog is that it will, it will, it will do things. It will eventually do them, but it will pick its time. It'll. It'll be an eventful moment. It'll be something that, you know, he, uh, the dog will feel is important. It's not just, you know, trivial, like, do tricks. Right. And um, Not a trick dog, sh- this dog. No. This dog is, uh, so what happens is eventually um, you, you get the sense that the dog, it feels that its, its relationship with the owner, Richard Gere, is getting a little bit strained because of the wife. And sure enough, uh, the dog senses that and feels a need to 
I don't care, either reconnect, barter, whatever, and before you know uh-huh. it, this dog is able to retrieve, is able to fetch. And Richard Gere and everybody's trying, what's going on? How come all of a sudden it can do it? Well, they never, you know, that's what, that's what happens. And I think that part of the movie is left to speculation. You can try to connect the dots any way you well, want. He, he does it, he does it for uh, the wife, right? Mm-hmm. Hachi does it for the wife to give the wife a little props. So that she'll be warm and fuzzy with Hachi having the relationship with Richard Gere. That's what I think. Hey, again, you could you bargaining. could look at it. Uh, bargaining. It could be you could you could probably figure this and come up with your own version. But it's yeah. there's definitely something there. So um, Ther- therapy dog, by the way, kind of in the setting. Yes, it is. So the thing about the setting is the movie takes place, and it's only made reference to Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Once, because they the, they refer to the newspaper, but it's a it's a kind of an older uh, suburb uh, that they live fairly close to, so that Hachi can go back and forth in terms of going to the train station. And I like the setting. I thought the buildings and everything made it. Oh yeah, the cinematography, everything in terms of the actual uh, you know picture itself, the film and the location and all that is extremely good. I also thought the, the the music, the piano playing in the background at the critical moments, was was added a lot to the the tone, the atmosphere, and how you felt the emotion that you could get was quite often swayed by the music that was being played. I thought that played out very well. Oh yeah, we were we were being worked over by the music, definitely. Yeah, and so the thing is that we we come up to this critical moment. And the critical moment is that he goes to work one day, and this happens to be the day he's carrying that doggone ball that Hachi had been able to fetch. He takes it to class, and he's talking, lecturing the students, and it, it was kind of a profound thing he was talking about in terms of music and whether you know you live the moment or you know what's the difference between listening to a recorded version of something versus live, etc. He's kind of getting a little bit, you know, a little philosophical about it, and all of a sudden. He gets some discomfort, he sits down, he stands up, and he just passes out, and he passes away. So here he is in the middle of his commute, he's gone to work, and so he's passed away, and he's not coming back on the train, but guess who is waiting for him to come back? Hachiko. The dog is. Mm. And it's just, you know, that's kind of i think that's one place that kind of tears you up when you oh. see that and you see that dog waiting for its master and there are several you know there's a there's a dog hot dog vendor there's a there's jason alexander playing the train uh um you know ticket guy yeah. at there's the, a at meat the and a butcher there's a, there's yeah, a butcher, there's, a butcher. Yeah. there's there's all these people there who try to tell hachi hachi he's not coming back but Hachi just his loyalty is just is number one. It's 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 high on the list of his priorities, his loyalty to his master. And so they try to get a situation where the, the daughter was you know of of uh, Richard Gere, had got married, had her own house, and and the and had just a, had a baby, felt and liked the dog a lot, and said this is a natural pairing. Let's have yeah. Hachi live with that with that family. I don't know the distance that was involved, 
between the house that they lived in, the daughter and the, and the uh, new husband. Train station, yeah. And a train station. But it was pretty far, as demonstrated in the movie. And sure enough, that dog is able to go back, and it's going to sit right there on that piece of concrete, you know, kind of perched up, waiting for for its master, Richard Gere. And so, yes. it, and the thing is that it realizes- He waits until realize, the last train every night. Yeah. And wow. he has, and what he does is the daughter realizes that she's very perceptive. She says, if you have to go, go. She doesn't try to restrain a dog. So as a result, the dog ends up living in the environment around the train station, finding a place where it can kind of sleep at night. It's fairly, you know, good. And also living off of the land in terms of the people that are there. Scraps. Yeah. The scraps, this and that. And that dog for a period of nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Nine. Well, nine years is real. That's the, uh. the true story. It was embellished in the movie oh. and made 10 years because of the 10th anniversary of the death. Uh. And, this is, and this is where the movie. So the fact is that the, the widow of Richard Gere ends up leaving and she sells the house. Uh, she goes on. We have no idea what she's up to. But she decides that on the 10th anniversary of his death, she's going to come back to the cemetery to visit his grave. And as a result, is then subjected to the house. And also, the last thing that she's subjected to is the train station. And I'll tell you, if you haven't cried up to this point, you are guaranteed to cry when she sees Hachi at the 10th anniversary, waiting still for the owner, you know, for Richard Gere to come up. And she embraces the dog. And you just, it's just, it's just too much. Yeah, I'm getting a little overclamped right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, it's so um, beautiful. It's very beautiful, actually. So Joan Allen does a great job in a movie. And oh, yeah. So she embraces a dog, but again realizes there's nothing they can do. That dog is going to stay. That dog is going to be waiting for the owner. And so how long does a dog stay there? They end up having, I think, a third dog, uh, you know, actually play the role. And the dog yeah, the old dog. See, yeah. He's lame and all that. He has arthritis. There's a person who does the best acting. These three dogs combined are incredible as you see the third dog and how slow and cautious it is It is walking around the train station. And then you take a look at it and see its face is kind of haggard. It's gray. It's, uh, it's showing a little bit of, the, uh, of, its, of its environment because it's obviously not getting you know, groomed yep. as, as yep. well as it would be. And it shows all of that. And it, the movie, you know, at the end, it just shows the dog laying its head down right there. It's just perched up and just closing its eyes and passing away. And so dreaming, oh. dreaming, he's dreaming. That's key. Right. Well, there, he there, starts there, dreaming about Richard Gere. Right. And you see, you, know, you get a little upside on the end of it, uh, where you, your sense is you can take, this is another area where you can interpret it. Is this basically um, a match made in heaven where they reunite? Is this just, uh, you know, memory, uh, you know, it, 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 you can take it whatever you, however you work. But the bottom line is they try to put an upswing into the, to, to the end of the movie. And they, they do a good job with that. 
Um, this is all done in the context of his grandson doing a show and tell about best hero, my hero. And yeah. So, so the, that's how, yeah, that's how it so, starts out. That's how it starts out. It starts out, and everybody, and so the kid says, "My my hero," and he writes the Hachi dot down on the on the on the board is is Hachiko, my yeah. my grandfather's yeah Hachiko is my dog my 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 grandfather's dog, and the kids all kind of bewildered. Snicker, and yeah, they snicker. Like, yeah, they they snicker. go, "Oh, dog, funny, oh, this is gonna be real good." Well, by the end of it, they're giving the kid a standing O. Oh, um, it was beautiful. It was a great yeah. story. So, great, great framing. I'll tell you the thing is about this. I, I'm still. It was this movie came out in 2009. I I can't put. It, I read Wiki and I get a sense that it didn't have a. It didn't have a U.S. Uh, distribution. It right. was shown at a Seattle f- film festival in the middle of the year. It seems like it was tried to prime it for the holiday piece. And it's a holiday kind of, and movie. I read through. It's a holiday movie, but the thing is that I get some. Uh, I get a uh, disconnect here in terms of some contradiction as to what Wiki says and what I read in all the reviews, because the reviews talk about the fact that it was. They make reference to the fact that it's released in December. So I don't know where this goes. I can just tell you that it was. A, they released it outside the states. It more than made enough money on the outside. In, in, in that regard. The other thing is that, uh, that you get a sense that it wasn't widely distributed anyway, because if you go to the film reviews, which makes up Rotten Tomatoes, there's not even enough reviews mm. there to offer a database or a, 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 a population of reviews so that they could do it. But here's what's really strange. You go to the user guide and look at the IMDB reviews. You have to really search hard to find something that isn't a 10. I know. And I'll tell you, it's, 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 it, it, and I read through a lot of them. And then I thought, well, I'm going to read to see what they complained about. And here's a good example of what they complained about. Somebody kid says, well, I don't know. They should have kept it all in the 1920s. It's unrealistic. A dog it has to be kept on a leash. Huh, not a, in the that, 1920s. <laughs> not in the 1920s, it didn't. No, 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 no. The point is that the movie should have been made in a setting of 1920s. Oh, and it wasn't. It was made current, and that's somebody right. complains. Well, they did, the movie isn't realistic. No, oh, that's, that's a stretch. That, that's a stretch. Oh, man. And a half. These people are just miserable. They're just miserable yeah, already. That's, a- that's so, it. Yeah, um, it did good in box office. It got great reviews. R- R- Richard, this is a small movie, but it's well done. It's the 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 production values, like I said, are incredibly good. You feel very very good about. The quality of the film and the story, the acting. Richard Gere read the story, and he said, oh, I, "I, I just, I, I just had to do it. I didn't have any choice." I oh, of course not. Yeah, that's because he's Richard Gere. You so, know, he's the he's the man. I, I think if you want to take something out as we conclude this section, you take something out. It's the strength of loyalty is what we can learn, mm. and we can mm. learn this as human beings. We quite often undervalue and underestimate. The strength, the emotional strength of loyalty, and yeah. how important that can be in our lives. And uh, some I, people you know, consider it a weakness. Yes, in a business setting, you know, you're being right. too emotional. So depending upon, you know, the, you, let's move on. You know, we got a bid here yeah, to sell real, the company. Wake up, uh, smell. You know, yeah, whatever. But I think that as you take a look at your relationships, whether it's business or personal. It's important to never underestimate the importance of loyalty 
and how it plays it can play in your life. And I myself personally feel that it was important for me as my wife was sick. Uh, I thought our bond became stronger as a yes. marriage or as a couple because of the way that I, I was committed to, to helping her and she sensed it. And I think that went a long way to making the final years of her life and our life together uh, very strong and very positive. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, and Despite was, the circumstances. And, yeah. And, and it's amazing as I look back, I can think of one other thing personal that happened with me is and this this was where i would um my wife had a appointment downtown marge had a, an appointment down the loop uh two or three times a month at a certain time it was about 1 30 or 2 o'clock she was the appointment was located about three blocks from where i worked and i don't know why but i would a lot of times would just go over just to see her get off the elevator when she got done with her appointment, just to say hi, to kiss her, to go maybe to the what most we would do is go to lunch, maybe help her get a cab as she's trying to go home. But I don't know why, but I had I I, I, I did it and and I didn't always get the best reception when I did it. <laughs> she had, you know, but the fact is I I don't know why. And I kinda I thought about that as I was watching this movie a second time. I said you know, in some ways, I kind of did a little bit of this. I was Hikachi. And I yeah. don't know what made me do that. Um, you know, I, I just, it was part of our, our uh, of the, of my relationship with my wife. I maybe saw her that morning, but for, if I had an opportunity to see her again, four hours later, I was going to do it. So, yeah, yeah, that kind of gives I, an example. I, yeah, yeah, I, I had, a, I have a similar thing with, with, uh, most people know my son died a little over a year ago. And so uh, we do the exact same Hachi behavior. We have things of his that we won't use, but we can't get rid of because we have to have them. You know, like whether it's uh, like he, he liked to vape. That's why I vape. And so he introduced me to it. So he's got two vaping units. One was nearly destroyed in the accident and the other works fine. I have them both. I won't use the one that works. Because I, it's kind of like I want it to be here when he gets back. Yeah, it's totally crazy, but but you know it makes me feel a little better. I and this one, this is terrible. I hate to say this. This is my worst offense, John. You're gonna really think I'm nuts. Well, a little late for that. Oh come but, on! <laughs> here it is. Here it is. Here's here's what I am now doing, and I I should be committed for this. We have a car, Joe was using our car for a while when it was really bad weather, and he was supposed to get it inspected and get a sticker put on it. He didn't do it. We got the car back, and I thought, ah, he didn't do the inspection. And a few weeks later, he gets killed doing his bike to work. And so I've never gotten the car inspected again. I I, I would, I, I knew where you were going. I can't, I, I can't. I, I feel I the can. same way. I, I yeah. this is one this is one moment in which I would say you're demonstrating logic, sensitivity, emo, uh, emotional correctness. I don't care what you call it, but I would Hachi. hardly call it crazy. Yeah, I would call well, it Hachi. I would not call this crazy. I don't think this is a means by which you should be institutionalized because we have so many other things that we can no. do there. <laughs> this is not one of them. <laughs> 
Okay. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I tried to. Uh, I, I totally I can't do it. Yeah. Oh, well, anyways, moving on. Okay, uh, we're going to wrap this puppy up with our final segment. And as we mentioned before, it has to do puppy. with presidential pets. Yeah. And the thing is that, and, and here's the thing, and, and I, 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 I kind of thought about this. I said, you know, every president has some sort of pet. And yeah. then I thought about it. I said, well, what's President Trump's pet? What, what Does he have a dog, a cat, whatever? And then I thought, well, they're, they're called they're called cabinet members. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. Oh, so yeah, I thought about this. It's a possum. Said, we know that. I'm a wily old possum. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh gosh. Yeah, I was channeling so Kate McKinnon the, there. <laughs> then I I, I I I thought, well, this could be newsworthy. And then I went and got on the internet and realized this this story had been beat to death. <laughs> The fact that the president didn't have it and the reasons why, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But the idea, I, I, so I thought, well, I better make sure. How am I going to find out whether he has a pet or not? Well, I didn't have to go very far. When you, you wiki Trump presidential pet or something, and you find out you can get easily see six or seven stories about the fact that everybody's kind of quizzing and wondering, well, you know, the thing is that, you know, he didn't, he hadn't gotten a pet. He, had, he doesn't have a pet. And so what I'd like to do is talk a little bit about the tradition of White House pets. And, you know, this goes back to uh, pres uh, uh, number one president, uh, G.W. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, and what's interesting is that he had a quarter of a menagerie, if you take a look on Wiki. He got, so many, he got so many gifts, animal gifts, that he could probably have started a damn zoo there at the White House. So yeah, it starts he could have. Washington. And but what it kind of evolves into the fact that 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 we end up having it as a custom where the president usually has a pet and it could be a cat, but most likely it's going to be a dog. Yeah, and I think the presidents realize how it humanizes them. It brings them closer to their their constituency if they do have a, an animal. So uh, as a result. I took a look at some of the more famous uh, pets, and uh, FDR had a uh, an Irish Scottish Terrier named Fala. That actually, one time he he took it on one of his uh, trips to Alaska to do some sort of conference, this or that or whatever, and the dog got lost to the point that he had to spend a lot of money in order to find it. So the military it was like an operation, part of the war. It's like, wow. well, let's, uh, the, yeah, let's let's go try finding this dog. Operation Fala. Yeah, Operation Fala. And it caused a bit of controversy as to the, the, they felt that a lot of people who were, you know, maybe critical of FDR at the time felt, well, we should be spending money looking for your damn dog. But, therapy dog. Know, that, that would, yeah, therapy dog. Then we've got Nixon. Now, Nixon's story is a little different, <laughs> Richard Nixon, because actually, Nixon's famous dog isn't a dog he had while he was president. It was a dog while he was running for vice president with uh, Dwight Eisenhower back in 1952. And you might find this hard to believe, but Richard Nixon was actually back in 1952 accused of having a slush fund and improperly <laughs> using the funds. Now, I know that's a, that's a stretch. Hard to believe. Can't you? It's very hard to believe. So he didn't get, this isn't like it was, it, it was, it was a question of as they were approaching, um, you know, the election uh, back in 52, there was some concern about maybe he was, you know, poisoned to the to the uh, to the ticket uh, of Nixon right. and Ike. So Nixon felt the need to do a press conference to go over it, 
And what he did is he he discussed it and it, the fact that he felt that he was okay, you know, doing okay. And he said, by the way, there is one gift I will never give back. And that is our family dog, Checkers. <laughs> and I'll tell you, once he said that, he was, he was off the hook. He was off the hook. He was running with, with Ike, and he was, he was fine. So what you're so, saying here is that these animals are very powerful in terms of perceptions <gasps> and the ability to manipulate, I mean, in, in, uh, influence people's yes, perceptions. They do. Okay. And, you know, we've got, here, we got, here's a classic example of one that really was critical in, in the, in the future, uh, you know, life or the presidency, you know, the, the future career of our president, Richard Nixon, you know, let's, let's yep. listen, if Checker wouldn't have come by, we maybe wouldn't have had Watergate. Well, that would have been disappointing, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. So well, we got LB, a couple LBJ, other LBJ had yeah, a beagle, I, right? A beagle that he, he had two beagles and he would constantly pull them by the ears and Cots and and I think the uh, oh that's that yeah that caused work. a lot of trouble. Yeah, now, there's a Clint, there's a situation where it, it went backwards, right? Yeah, but of course, <laughs> like President, go pull the ear of your dog. Dogs, don't do that, please. Don't do that in yeah. public. And he thought there was nothing wrong with it. You know, he yeah. was in r rural Texas, and I just you and I were raised on a farm. We relate to animals differently than city people. That's true. Yes, and when they get sick, we shoot them. So Clinton, uh, they had a couple of animals. He had Buddy, a dog, but he also had a cat. Actually, the cat was Chelsea's cat. But that mm -hmm. cat found its way into a press conference. This is sitting right up there on the podium as one of the, the you know, as they're trying to have a news conference. I thought that was pretty good. And it we really finish cool. up with Socks the most the recent with, yeah, with uh, Obama. He was with the program. He got a Portuguese water dog named Bo. Beautiful he animal. Was, he was given. He was given by Ted Kennedy before he died. Bo. Really? Oh, yes. Wow. That's yeah, because that was Ted's favorite dog. Oh, man. Yeah. So you can see that there is a, there's a tradition here which has gone through until we get to President Trump. And what see? do we have here? Why? Yeah. No pets. Why? Why doesn't he have a pet? I mean, come on, J Jerry, you can help us. You ready? You? Oh, yeah. I'm ready. I've got the answer. Here's the answer. President Trump, oh, there's there's a couple reasons. There's actually three or four reasons, but let's just hit the big one. The big one is he's a germaphobe. He's an okay. absolute germaphobe. So in the heat, dogs are dirty. They, you know, they lick their assholes. I'm sure he would say it if you asked him. And so that's like the primary one. But there's a bunch of other ones, too. He doesn't bend over so good. So you got to do that if you have a dog. Because the whole deal is you get off of the the helicopter on the lawn the dog runs out to greet you you bend down and pet the dog some of the presidents like obama they'd roll around on the ground with the dog you know whatever it took but president trump is not going to do that S third reason he's not going to do it because all the other presidents did it and this is his way of draining the swamp uh-huh yeah yeah that fought yeah so that's these are we could come up with another dozen reasons that are probably all valid but the big one is he's a germaphobe Dogs well, I'm glad that you pointed that out. That the reason I came up with it, I figured that you know, Obama, uh, President Trump has already demonstrated a an inability to fill uh, 
you know, appointments. He, he's, he, I mean, the, the government, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's one way of controlling things. You know, if you don't have a position filled, you got to then you are. You can't uh, govern. Or, yeah. Well, you can, can't govern, but you can, but you can also control too, because what will happen is he'll be able to then have one of his people, you know, be right on top of it. And or else you're going to have an underling. You have an underling who's now going to have to assume that position in interim. And the interim, of course, is going to be much closer in kind of whatever. That to me. And so this is just on a long list of appointments. And the bottom line is this one should be relatively easy. Can't do it because of his image. His image. Can't do it because of his image. He doesn't have a pet. Doesn't have a pet. Not a human. He's not a human. He doesn't drink. He doesn't drink. Right. Yeah, he's got a whole bunch of stuff. And obviously, you know, he he has a Twitter habit. Instead of drinking, he tweets. Yeah. yeah so the thing somewhere. is that we're trying to we're trying to come up with a solution here. We figure that we're solution oriented. We, we are. And the thing is that as we took a look at it, we figured that you know what? Maybe the bar is too high. Maybe he's reached. We're, we're we're you know everybody says well you know get a dog, get a cat. Maybe bulldog maybe would be just perfect asking for him. Too much. It, it's too close. He looks like a bulldog. He, he looks like a bulldog, and that's that's the dog you would expect them to have. But they slobber you know. fiercely. They yeah. fart uncontrollably. <laughs> we know, don't we, John? Yes, we do. We know. Okay. And um, so, however, the thing is, there's though, another animal, have... John. There's another animal that he looks like. What's that? An orange goldfish. Ah. A goldfish. This could be the answer. I know. The first thing is, does he have to pet the goldfish? Let's get let's get the questions out here. Not N- the end of the N-O. N-O. No. He doesn't have to. Nope. Uh, well, does he have to clean up after it in terms of, you know, picking not stuff if he gets, up? Not if, he, not, if he get, not if he gets snails. Hey, and that, but if he's doing that, he's actually getting more than one pet. There's he can go with horizontal that. with this. He will never get beyond a fish. Never. Yeah. Is, I mean, he'll I, never. I think I, we've gonna, tried. We've tried, haven't we? We've we have. We thought. We have searched. It's not going to happen. And I think you're right. You know, my initial reaction would be, you know, you say, well, let's get a fish to start out with. Maybe he'll get comfortable with that, and then we can move up, and maybe he'll get a bird. You know, oh, but the birds are dirty. Ugh. They poop. They and then poop. we they're realized noisy. they're noisy. And actually, if he gets a parakeet, the talk, the bird might talk It'll back. Talk back. And that would. He that doesn't would like that. He doesn't like that. He wants someone he can talk at that won't respond verbally, verbally. And these goldfish are perfect. They are. Perfect. And I think you're right. If there's a means, if there's a way that he could, it's a a horizontal thing. He might start out with one goldfish in a bowl with a snail. And if things get, if he works out well with that, he can eventually get an aquarium and get a few more fish and snails, et cetera, whatever. Yeah, it might keep him off Twitter. Keep him off Twitter. It'll give him a positive image. Well, the president, the, he's human. The appointments, he's got fish. international the appointments relations it, will it change. Might, it, you know, you it, know, it might just get. It might give him the momentum he needs to make. He makes one appointment, and it might give oh. him the momentum to make other ones. Think about it. You know, John. this is an appointment. This is like an appointment. It this is. is like but think about selecting. It. Yeah, yeah, it's another appointment he needs to make. But think about it this way: he can't relate to normal leaders of democracies. We know this. The English uh, Prime Minister, not so much. The Queen, forget it. Angela Merkel down in in uh, uh, you know Germany, no, he wouldn't even shake her hand. He just he just can't. They can't relate because they have nothing to relate about. However, 
if he had a goldfish. Suddenly, they can ask him about his goldfish. Now they have yes. something to talk about. But yes. you know, otherwise, it's going to be dictators because those guys he can relate to. So we need right. this. We need to. We need this badly. That we should have a petition. They're trying to get him impeached. More importantly, let's get him a goldfish. I agree. Okay. I, I think it's much more practical. Um, I, I yeah. think that the, the impeachment's a long exercise. This one should be done relatively quick. I would like to think that the president could relate to the goldfish relatively soon. It wouldn't take that much time. Uh, nope. He wouldn't have to, you know, he could, wouldn't have to embrace the, the bowl or a fishbowl or anything. He could just no. kind of look at it pensively. Yeah. And Tap it I if he wants. It, yeah. Give him, give him food so he controls him. He likes control. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, so, and he, well, can, he can make it very, you can't give him too much. You can't give him too little. You know, I was doing a little Trump there. Yeah. Good. Yeah, he would like Good all team. this. It, it's right, right in his sweet spot. This is waiting for him. He could do this January 2nd, be the greatest president ever. That's <laughs> a step in the right direction, and boy, he needs one. I think so. So here we do it. We've hey, done John, it again. We did it. We've we did got, it. We've we got a solution. I think yep. it's been a. Uh, I think we've wow. touched a lot of bases with respect to animals. I think it. It was uh, a lot of good stuff. We got so much done this morning, and it's only ten to nine. I feel hey. like if I fuck off the rest of the day, no problem, because we really changed the world in the last hour and fifteen minutes. Well, you know what the first thing I'm going to do when we get off the air? Let's hear it. I'm going to turn up the damn heat. Oh, that's right. You're freezing your... Well, I was going to say balls off, but I shouldn't say that. You're freezing your uh, whatevers. Yeah. Actually, I can say that about you. Kind of. Okay, well, listen. I think we've done it. And we have. Uh, So I'll be be talking to you tomorrow. All right. Adios. Bye-bye.